the extent of the move, I guess, Sakina, was certainly surprising. We saw the RAND trade from levels close on around just about 1330s, 1340s, then thereabouts, when we uh, when we got to the lows yesterday. And from around, let's say, 1030 yesterday morning, as the European markets came on stream, a generalized risk off. Uh, started to materialize, specifically in the U.S. Treasuries market. We saw the U.S. 10-year bond yield trade, uh, I mean, over the course of the last two, three days. It's traded from around 185 basis points up to 212 basis points. Now, that's a massive move in the U.S. bond market. The reason for it is obviously that if the U.S. starts to get inflation on the back of this Trump fiscal plan, if you want to call it that, uh, it means that the Fed's going to have to hike a little bit more aggressively. And so what's happening is you're seeing the move in the U.S. bond market. Uh, that's precipitating an unwinding of this global carry trade that South Africa has obviously been a very large beneficiary of. And so that saw the RAND push in, in the U.S. session, push to a weak uh, level of around 1420. Thankfully, this morning seems to be regaining some composure. We're back around 1405. Uh, but, I mean, that's still a significant amount of weakness. We're seeing similar weakness uh, uh, manifest itself in terms of other emerging market currencies. If you have a look at something like the Indonesian rupiah, you know, that's weakened to such an extent that it's forced their government to intervene. So, uh, currently, this remains a, a remarkably volatile market. Uh, a lot of it's really hinging on, on, on rumor because no one's really got a clear idea of what's actually going to materialize. But, unfortunately, that's enough to upset the apple cart. Uh, and if that global carry trade does continue to unwind, of course the RAND is going to remain pressured. Uh, the big question mark is, as I said, it's an if rather than, uh, than a win uh, in my book at this point in time. And then the mining data, a little upbeat uh, for uh, us there, but the manufacturing data, that disappointed somewhat, Mohammed. Yeah, I mean, very quickly, uh, you know, if you have a look at South African mining production, that rose by 3.4% on a year-on-year basis in, in, in September. That was well ahead of consensus. I mean, consensus was expecting it to be around a 1% mark. Uh, big upside drivers coming through from platinum group metals, iron ore, coal, uh, whereas your, your precious metals, they seem to actually disappoint somewhat uh, on this current print. Uh, so mining, you know, is kind of a, a slightly better number for the third quarter, uh, still a positive contribution to the, the headline GDP number. But unfortunately, mining is a much smaller part of this economy right now. It's, it's below 10% of memory, so it's around 7 to 8% of total GDP. So that will have a much smaller bearing in terms of the total GDP number. However, when you come across to manufacturing, uh, that essentially flat in September from growth of 2.2% uh, previously, and this was worse than forecasts that were already quite uh, negative, quite bearish, around the half a percent mark. Um, effectively, uh, my worry here is that for the third quarter, manufacturing ends the quarter down. It's a much larger part of the economy. It makes up around 15 to 17% of GDP. Uh, and on that basis, it's going to exert a, a much more uh, of a negative drag in terms of the third quarter GDP number. So effectively at NetBank, we still expect GDP growth for this full year to remain quite muted around 0.3% uh, and only bouncing up to around the 1% mark next year. Uh, that signals an economy that remains in a little bit of distress. And of course, it's that time again, it's Singles Day in China. <laughs> I, I love the story because the, the, the numbers are just 
astronomical. Now, now for those of our listeners that aren't familiar with what Singles Day actually is, you know, it's kind of the anti-Valentine's Day, if you want to call it that, but it's, it's become an international phenomenon, uh, but specifically centered on China. It's the largest online shopping bonanza, if you want to call it that, uh, in the world. And just to give you a sense of scale here, I mean, I was looking at some numbers this morning. Alibaba, which is effectively the, the largest online trading platform uh, in, in, in China, possibly even in the world, they had sales exceed the $1 billion mark in the first five minutes of trade. That's astronomical. Cool. Uh, they then exceeded uh, the five point. Uh, they, they exceeded the five point three billion dollar mark within the first uh, w- within the first hour, uh, just over an hour there and thereabouts. So that shows you the sense of scale of this Chinese monster. I mean, uh, they, they recently that was last year saw a sixty percent leap in terms of transactions, uh, and so they certainly want to repeat that kind of performance. Let's see how it goes. But I, I think it really signals that you know if we have a look at how how consumers uh, are effectively interfacing on the retail side of things, certainly on a global scale, online has become so much more important. Uh, and even if you bring that back home uh, locally, I mean, I speak anecdotally to friends and family, and it looks as though the prevalence of online shopping seems to be gathering momentum, even in a, a, a country like South Africa. So let's watch that with some interest.